The Google Assistant is ready to help you get more done with just your voice in the car, at home, and everywhere you take your phone. There are great games coming up this Sunday, and if you're having friends over to come watch some football and are planning to make some guacamole, just say, hey Google, remind me to buy avocados at the supermarket. A little help, hands-free, just say, hey Google, to get started. Football podcast on the Ringer NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Danny Heifetz, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host and my co-Danny, the hero we need and the analyst we deserve, the Dark Knight himself, Danny Kelly. How you doing, DK? I'm doing extraordinary. How are you doing, man? Extraordinary. Wow. What a wonderful <laughs> word. Craig, are you extraordinary or you ordinary? He's, he's I think better than, what, what's better than ebullient? Ebullient. <laughs> I don't really know. I don't think there is anything. <laughs> Do the tough than questions off the top. Oh my that, God. Is this the listener question of the week? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Craig. Put you on the spot there. It's okay. I'm always happy to see how Chipper DK is to start the pot, though. Makes me feel good. <laughs> I'm doing great. It's Thursday. I'm excited for some football. I'm excited for football, too. Did you guys know that the London game this week starts at Sunday at 9 30 a.m. Eastern? Yeah. So, did you know that that's 14 hours of football, which is longer than the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy combined? Do you get up to watch the London game? No. Oh. Well, I mean, actually, I guess I should ask if I'm working on for that game. I really hope I'm not. If you're talk. not, it's if you're just a fan. It's a personal thing. I should probably talk to him. If you're just a fan, are you getting up at 6.30? Well, it's the Panthers and the Bucks, so I don't think it applies to too many people. <laughs> DK? No important, important note, though. Remember to set your lineup Saturday night. Because yes. that game is very early. Unless yeah, you're the kind of person good. who's checking your fantasy lineup at before 9.30 a.m. Eastern. <laughs> which some people are, but yeah, set your lineups. But it is Thursday afternoon right now, not Sunday, and we're going to run through a bunch of players we like for Daily Fantasy matchups this week. We're going to mm-hmm. break down a DraftKings lineup at the end, but first, we're going to run through some categories. We're really jog. Not much of runners. Yeah. <laughs> jog through some categories. Uh, let's start right off the bat. Go big or go home. Expensive players we think are worth the money. DK, who's worth the money this week? I'm betting on a Lamar Jackson bounce-back game for the Ravens. He's going up against the Bengals' defense. He is 6,900, so on the more expensive side, clearly. But um, I think he's due for a big game. He struggled a bit as a passer, especially over the last two weeks. Um, Tossed some ill-advised picks last week and just hasn't looked as good, you know, against good defenses as he did against bad defenses early on in the season, but going up against a bad defense this week. So I think he could end up being worth the money. Um, The other thing that I really just love about Jackson is on any given day, he has a really good rushing floor. I mean, he threw picks, he threw three picks last week and still scored 11 points because he ran for 70 yards on the ground. So um, that rushing floor also gives him an incredible ceiling if he does end up throwing two or three touchdowns this week. So all in all, I like him. The Bengals have given up 10th most fantasy points to quarterbacks this year, and they gave up 25.4 points to Kyler last week at home including 10 rushes, 93 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. So with a big game against, you know, with Kyler posting a big game against them, I think that Lamar Jackson, who is still, I think he's a little more refined right now and and, and further along in his career, I think he could have a big day. The Bengals are also just banged up. I know you're talking about their defense, but I want to talk about their offense for one second. A.J. Green's out. Receiver John Ross is out. Third string Alex Erickson's out. They lost their first round left tackle in like May. 
then Cordy Glenn is still out with the concussion, and their Andre Smith, who's one of their other main tackles, is out. So they're just devastated, and they used to have a similarly uh, tough injury list at defensive end. So they're as banged up as anybody. So I think the Ravens rushing all this game is going to, it's a good bet. Yeah. Craig, who's worth the money this week? Alvin Kamara. I'm getting good about saying Kamara over Kamara. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, we conquered Mariota. We but did. This is the next Kamara Mariota. Uh, Kamara <laughs> is playing at Jacksonville this week, and I don't know if you guys remember, but I don't know. Five days ago, Christian McCaffrey cremated the Jaguars <laughs> for <laughs> oh my God. all of Cremate. the yards. Is that the word? <laughs> and, Holy hell! And um, Kamara seems like a safe bet, and he's eight thousand dollars. It's Kamara. Damn it! <laughs> You jinxed yourself. <laughs> I jinxed myself. Kamara feels like a safe bet. Um, Adam Leviton has Kamara extremely low on his week six expected DraftKings ownership rankings. So this is a nice kind of a double trouble here because it's Alvin Kamara, so you're going to get great value. And he's projected to be extremely low owned. You know, he's kind of had some ups and downs this year, but I, I think this is a year where, this is a week where he can get back on track. The Jags give up the six most points to running backs this season. I like it. I like I it. I can't believe you said McCaffrey cremated the Jaguars defense. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, let's, all right, let's flip this the other way. These are too rich for my blood guys that are really pricey and not worth it this week. DK, who's not worth the money this week? So I'm sticking away from Patrick Mahomes this week, just kind of figuring out where he is with, with regards to his ankle. Um, I mean, clearly I love the guy. He, he's all world. He's, he's probably the best quarterback in the NFL. And he's amazing. Everything. I, I love the guy. But I'm simply just going to wait until his ankle is fully back to where it was before, before I kind of bet the house on him. Because you, if you're spending that much money on your quarterback, you're you're banking that he's going to have a massive day. So for me, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to take that chance this week. Sammy Watkins is likely still out. It's a little bit unclear on what Tyreek Hill is going to be doing. Um, last two games, Mahomes had only 18 and 18 and a half points. Not only, but... Um, you know, obviously that's still pretty solid for a quarterback, but you know, you're looking for a huge, huge game. And I don't know if I can really trust that this week against Houston. So I'm out on Mahomes this week. Uh, if you, if you listen to the most recent ringer NFL show, Kevin Clark on his take shop takes that, uh, the Chiefs should rest Patrick Mahomes for a game or two. Oh, oh. who's the backup Matt Moore? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Thank you, thank you. What a, what a, what a journeyman. Uh, Craig, you had Tyree Kill as your buy low of the week. I do. We'll get to that. But oh, I was thinking we could do it now. Oh, we're talking about the Chiefs. All right, that's fine. So, my, the only reason why Tyree Kill is my buy low of the week is because last year he was the literal number one wide receiver in fantasy football. That's a good reason. Yeah. By 14 points. And good analysis. He's, I believe, the seventh most expensive this week and no Sammy Watkins. So if he plays, I'm in. It's sort of It's sort of a mix of buy low and contrarian because I bet you a lot of people will probably be kind of scared off by him exactly, and not really sure exactly what he's going to be able to do and everything like that. So yeah, that makes a lot and of sense. And you can also be scared off by as much as the Colts kind of, sh- well, the Colts really shut down the Chiefs offense by keeping them off the field. You know what? I'm just going to jump. I'm just going to do the Damian Williams thing now because I also like Damian Williams this week. But <laughs> one of the reasons we're doing all the Chiefs right now, but I like Damian Williams as a buy low this week because He's obviously one of the many Chiefs running backs. So this is Damien Williams, not Darrell Williams, also not LaShawn McCoy or Darwin Thompson. I have trouble keeping track of them all. <laughs> but really the issue was he Damien Williams only had nine carries for 23 yards last week, and they also had like three catches for 15 yards. But the point was, this is Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Damien Williams, all those guys, the whole Chiefs offense. They only played, they only had the ball for 22 minutes last week. It was like 22 minutes and 45 seconds. That's the sixth lowest time of possession since Andy Reid became the Chiefs coach in 2013. So the Chiefs, I mean, 
the Colts beat the Chiefs because they kept their offense off the field. I don't think the Texans are going to be able to do that. So I think the Chiefs will have mm. the ball more often. And I do think that's going to be good for Damian Williams. But I also think that that could be bad for Patrick Mahomes because I think that the Texans' front is much better. I think J.J. Watt's going to have an uh, easier time penetrating the Chiefs' offensive line, especially because uh, their left guard had an injury, actually on the same play that Mahomes injured his ankle. The left guard did for the Chiefs did as well. So I think that there's going to be a good amount of dump-offs for Patrick Mahomes to Damian Williams this week. And Williams had, I mean, 57% of snaps in his first game back. So I like Williams, but I also see how Mahomes could not have some huge day to Tyreek Hill. But they'll have the ball more. There's a lot going on here. <laughs> I mean, I think they'll, they'll do, I think they'll do more with their drives than they did last week. I'll put it that way. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think, for me, it's mostly I just don't want to spend the most money, you know, of any of my players on Mahomes more more than I think he more than I think he's like gonna regress badly or anything like that this week. I agree with you there. You, you, you going with Chiefs this week? You want to try to get a discount if you can. Yeah. Craig, who's too rich for your blood this week? Too many platelets. I know this blood rich. Very good. I know this goes <laughs> against everything I've stood for my entire life, but Leonard Fournette this week. What? <laughs> He <laughs> squeeze me. He's he's hedging. He's hedging. He's, man. he's he the hedging. Fifth, he's the fifth most expensive running back this week. Do you know what people at this company think of hedging? That's <laughs> he's going up against New Orleans. Listen to what New Orleans has done against running backs this year. They faced Todd Gurley, sixty-three yards. Chris Carson, fifty-two yards, and Ezekiel Elliott, thirty-five yards. Ooh, not feeling Fournette this week. They could be down early. Passing game could save him. But from a rushing standpoint, unless he like has another one of those games where he rushes for negative eight yards for the first three quarters then has a 70-yarder. I don't know. I was gonna, I was gonna literally about to bring that up, how he's <laughs> quietly a sell high because he's just broken one run that justifies the whole game. day. He's this year's Derrick Henry. Anyone who has Leonard Fournette knows that he just has goes through most of the fantasy day with about three points. You can't and you watch. Check it out and you, you cannot You have watch. to just check after the game and be like, oh, he had 120 he had 17 yards. 17 points. You, know, you have no idea how he got there, man. But yeah, I just think this week he's not. he should not be the fifth most expensive running back. Wholeheartedly concur. <laughs> wow. Next, not players who are too much like Mahomes, not too little, just right. Goldilocks, sweet middle spot. range, sweet spot. DK, who's a sweet spot player for you this week? There's nothing that you and Craig love more than I think this, the Goldilocks uh, category. No, my favorite uh, one's deceiving yards. Oh, yeah, that's, that's true. Mondays, okay. Mine is I don't want to cheat on the Monday show. <laughs> yeah, Craig loves the Goldilocks. So my Goldilocks guy this week is Michael Gallup, receiver for the Cowboys. He is 5,600, which just feels really kind of actually a little bit low to me. Um, going up against the Jets, Jets defense is terrible. Um, I would assume that Dak is going to kind of pick that defense apart. Gallup is averaging. He, he's only played in three games this season, but he's averaging 113 yards per game, which is best in the NFL. 22 points per game fantasy-wise. Um He's just looked really, really good for them, really outstanding. Defenses tend to tilt their coverages towards Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper is the clear number one, and I think that's benefited Gallup a lot. He's a deep threat. Um, he's dangerous kind of in the under, underneath on slants and things like that. He's just he's really broken out. He's a really good player, and I think he could he has potential to go off this week, so I like him at 5,600. I think that's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> You know, I have nothing for my love, but love for Michael Gallup. Even though I kind of yeah. hate the Cowboys, but Michael Gallup being on the Cowboys is still forever one of my favorite. And one hundred thirteen is my lucky number. So there you go. There's my expert analysis. I have an honorable mention in this category as well. Another second year breakout player, DJ Chark of the Jaguars. 
Going up against New Orleans, he's 5,500, so he's 100 less than Gallup. He also is averaging 22.3 points per game. He had 39 last week, 8 the week before, 17.6, and then 18.5 in the previous two weeks. So he's a little bit all over the place, but I think he is their clear-cut number one. I got tons of confidence in Minshew. Minshew has just been really, really good. Um, Chark, for his own part, has what I've seen, really, really good body control. He's really good in the air. He's He attacks the football in the air. Uh, he and Minshew have a really good sort of back shoulder connection. They've really connected on a few of those. He's he's got elite deep speed. He ran like a four three at the combine. Um, so I think Chark is just really breaking out. I don't think he's necessarily going to continue to score touchdowns every single week, but I like this matchup. Um, the Saints have given up a lot of points to receivers this year. Um, it's going to be a fun matchup seeing him go up against Marshawn Lattimore if that's the case. Uh, overall, I'm just really excited about this matchup, and I, I like Chark a lot. I love Minshew so. Um, yeah, everything. I, I, I wrote about Minshew this week at the ringer.com and that kind of, I think that maybe biases me a little bit towards, towards Chark this week. We would all love to spend more time thinking about Gardner Minshew. You're very lucky, DK. Oh, he is, he was legitimately impressive. I got to say, I was not expecting to be as impressed. I was expecting to be like, yeah, he looks pretty good for a rookie. But what was the most impressive thing? What impressed you the most? His accuracy, which I think you could, I mean, I don't know how you're going to like make a hierarchy of the most important things for a quarterback, but accuracy has got to be up there as like one of the top ones. He was just putting the ball in the exact location it needed to be on so many passes. Um, Whether you're talking like a deep, deep pass down the sideline, which is why those back shoulder throws have been working so well, or just on a little like bootleg, he hit shark. Um, like right on the outside shoulder so he could turn around and get upfield. Like that kind of accuracy, I just, I think it was really, really cool to see. So I think that that's a repeatable trait that I think could really carry him. I think he has a chance to be the starter there for long term. Is there an issue when Foles comes back? Well, he's under contract for three years and he has a shitload of guaranteed money. So that's an issue, but they could potentially trade him, um, you know, next year or whatever. They'd have to eat some dead money. But I mean, having, having Minshew on a rookie deal, six round rookie deal, in the long run, you're going to save so much money. So um, I think the ideal situation probably be to trade him next year. All right. Well, there's another place that has a giant logjam of good players, which is, as, as Marlo Stanfield would say, it's one of them good problems to have too many good quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, right. And then there's the 49ers who have too many good running backs. My sweet spot right now, Tevin Coleman this week for $4,400 on DraftKings. doesn't make any sense. He's the, he's the starting running back like for the bargain. San Francisco That's, 49ers. Yeah. Um, yeah, he had 16 rushes for 97 yards and a touchdown last week. I don't think he technically started because Matt Breida took the opening play of the game open for a touchdown and he just put the Jets on. But right. Coleman also looked really good. I mean, you know, he obviously missed some time with an ankle injury he had in week one. Uh, but ankle injuries are really scary when you have a starting running back because, you know, even if they come back, it's like, you know, holes close so quickly in the NFL. Making yeah. someone miss is so hard that if you lose, just take 10, 15% off the top of your, your lateral movement or your, your burst or explosiveness. Suddenly you're not the same player. And Coleman against the Browns on Monday Night Football looked really good. I mean, he was making people miss. Like he, It was really exciting to see him like back. And I mean, when he was with the Falcons in 2016 and Kyle Shanahan, who's now the 49ers head coach, was the offensive coordinator for Atlanta— uh, he was one of the top 20 running backs in fantasy football, Coleman was. And he has a bigger mm-hmm. role in this team, it seems like, as much as it seems like he's a bit piece, he's a bigger role in this team than he did in Atlanta back in the day. I think he's only going to get more of a workload going forward. 
And the 49ers are running a ton. They run the most in all of football, oh, yeah. 57% of the time. There's only two other teams in above 50% rushing at all. Uh, so I think there is plenty of volume, even though there's a lot of talent there. And he's going to get more yeah. workload. So I love him for $4,400. I don't really understand it. Crucially, I believe Jeff Wilson was inactive last week. Is that right? I'm pretty sure he was. Yeah. Which means that Jeff Wilson isn't going to be the touchdown vulture anymore for either Brita or... The Wilson thing was because they both was because Matt Brita and Raheem Mostert both fumbled in that game. Like, oh, okay. combined, I yeah. think, three... Or one of them wasn't a fumble. It was like a drop that they bobbled into a defender's hand that became a pick. I don't remember the specifics, but essentially, they combined to turn it over three times. So that's why they weren't getting the ball at the goal line, because if there's anything you cannot do as a goal line back, it's turn the ball over. I don't really get that. it was one-game punishment. What? Why does fumbling in a game make you pull some— It doesn't mean they're more likely to fumble again in that game. Well, one, that's not true. I mean, it could be. It's old-school coaching. It's it's a cosign. It's it's a combo of, like, I think there's a militaristic— Part punishment, part, like, you have to earn it, like, like— there, there is a there is a disciplinary aspect to it for sure. I don't know. I just wouldn't you want your best player on the field? If you, fu- I think uh, the real that mean, answer. I mean, do you now my, all he's going to do is try as hard as hell to not fumble. My real answer for this, and this is true, Kareem Hunt's first carry was a fumble. But <laughs> oh, do you yeah, want yeah, my yeah. real my real answer to this? Hmm. Because if they fumble again at the goal line, it's the coach's fault for not pulling them. So it saves their own ass. And it's the goal line, so they'll probably score anyway. That's my real answer. I just always hated that tactic. You know, there was like high school basketball coaches where if, if some kid came out and he like took a three to start the game, an ill-advised three and missed it, you'd get pulled. I just yeah. don't think that's the but way if to do someone, it. I agree, but if someone fumbles and you pull them, no one questions the coach. And if they, <laughs> and, I'm, and ultimately yeah, I think coaches are, in, coaches are protective, a risk-averse people. We're seeing less right. risk aversion in fourth down. But that's because now it's kind of okay to go for it fourth down. There's still risk aversion in other areas. But the risk that they're avoiding is not playing worse. It's getting criticized. Like they're removing yes. their best, yeah, yes. like talent. They're removing talent from the game so they won't get criticized if it happens again. Yeah, well, Jeff Wilson scored, so he's fine. I guess. <laughs> Craig, Craig, you're your arguing, Craig, you're arguing that, play, that coaches should play their best players. Yes. But we've seen time and time again— that that's like expecting coaches to play their best players is a complete fallacy. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Like look at Aaron Jones in green Bay for the last year and a half. It's been like, why don't you just play him more? You know, it's just so it drives you insane. Um, so that just, that's kind of an aside, but yeah, just don't, don't rely on coaches to play their best players. Maybe the fantasy football podcast should coach a team. I think oh, so. wait, wait, let's real, we have to now real quick, which team would you guys want to coach? If you could just take over tomorrow, any team, any team. Yeah. The Browns. Browns no, I don't want to touch that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to think I can save that. Yeah. Oh my god. All right. We'll we'll think about this. Fair. Craig, do Maybe you have the Ravens? Yeah, that's a good. One. Do you have a middle range sweet spot, Craig? Yeah, Mark Ingram, who is playing the Bengals this week. Um, Cincinnati's given up the second most fantasy points to running backs this year, and I think this is going to be a lot like that Miami game the Ravens played, where Ingram had hundred yards and two touchdowns in like the first half, and mm-hmm. I, I think he's as good a bet to do that as any of the guys in the top uh, like list on DraftKings. And might as well get the cheapest one. I think he's the sixth or seventh most expensive running back this week. Um, Gus Edwards hasn't really been chipping in to his workload at all. He's had five carries a game um, in the last four weeks. And this can be a blowout. So I think Mark Ingram is pretty damn safe for his price. Beautiful. Bargain bin of the week. You're filling out your roster and you didn't save enough money. And now you're rolling through like, oh my God, am I going to have to put Ryquil Armstead into my lineup? So DK, we don't want to do that. So who is your bargain bin of the week this week? 
Uh, I'm rolling with Jameson Crowder of the Jets. He's only four grand this week on DK, and it, he's fallen completely off the fantasy map since Darnold's been out. The Jets' offense has been, I mean, about as atrocious as you can possibly be in the NFL. It's been it's been extremely grim for the last few weeks. That's not hyperbole because even the word grim, like they were openly debating whether Sam Darnold, who could die if played in a football game, <laughs> should play as an yeah. open question. At the very yeah. least, their messaging on the subject has been poor. Yeah. So I like the potential game script here. I think the Dallas is going to be ahead probably for most of the game, which means that they're going to have to rely on Darnold to pass the ball around. Uh, in week one, last time these two guys played on the same field together. Um, and by the way, Darnold is back this week. That's been uh, announced or whatever. So that's good news. Um, Crowder in week one had 17 targets, 14 catches for 99 yards. Now it's important to know that this is for PPR. Like he, he's not necessarily a great standard league play just because, um, he relies more on it's, it's almost like he's a running back out of the backfield. He gets really short, a dot average depth target, you know, whatever. And so he's not like a deep threat, a touchdown threat necessarily, but he could rack up the targets again in this game. And I could definitely see that happening. I think, um, you know, he and he and Le'Veon Bell are both kind of in that same boat because I think they're both going to get a ton of looks in the passing game. Yeah, I mean, the 17 targets was one of the most targets in Jets history, playoffs or regular season, like period. Yeah, it was it was the most for any player in Week One. I know that, and so um, I mean, that's just that that gives him a low, that gives him a high floor. And so when you're looking for a bargain bin guy, he's going to be playing a lot and he's going to get a lot of targets. I would I would assume so. Um, that makes him a good value in my mind. So we do know that Sam Darnold will be starting on Sunday. We do not know whether running back David Johnson will be starting for the Cardinals on Sunday. So th- take this one with a grain of salt because it's Thursday afternoon. And definitely check the injury reports on Friday. But if David Johnson is not going to play, Chase Edmonds on the Cardinals is an amazing buy. Whether you're Whatever kind of fantasy you're doing, you want Chase Edmonds. If David Johnson's yeah. out. He's $4,600 in DraftKings. This one's pretty simple. Chase Edmonds is... Pretty talented player. And David, like David Johnson, obviously is really talented for his versatility. He's good at a lot of little things. Chase Edmonds is not as good as at David Johnson as any of those things, but he can do, he can be a three down back if they call upon him. He has that skill set. And it's really worth getting him in. He had eight rushes for 68 yards last week. And he, honestly, even if David Johnson does play, he has a back injury. And by just reading the reports about it, it seems like. They would, I mean, it would be wise to limit his workload. Even if he does play, I wouldn't be surprised if they split 50-50 on the snaps because David Johnson's not healthy. I think Edmonds could be a sneaky uh, a sneaky value this week. And, and they're that- playing the Falcons, whose defense is, hey, DK, what about the Falcons' defense? <laughs> Thank you. It, it's very, very bad, Danny. In that same vein, we, we discussed Malcolm <laughs> Brown kind of in the same type of David Johnson. Oh, so yeah. Todd Gurley's got a quad injury. They said he's kind of iffy for this week. McVay mentioned Daryl Henderson, but like, I'll believe yeah. that when I see it. In um, fact, Malcolm he's Brown, a counting loophole. I'm not sure he's a real person. Malcolm Brown is 4300 bucks, which is really, really cheap. He might be worth it. The only thing that kind of deterred us was he's playing San Francisco, who gives up the least amount of points towards um, running backs, and according the to the DraftKings. This is where those numbers are a little deceiving at this point of the year. I think that part of the reason they're giving up the least is because they've been leading all their games, and they've been running out the clock, and the other team's been throwing. Doesn't that not matter, though? I mean, that's you should factor that in. Yeah, but it's th- it's also like they played four games and they ju- got, got the lead in each of those four because they played the Bucks and James threw picks and um, they, the, they turned the ball over immediately. The Browns turned the ball over immediately to the Niners to start the game. So, But having said that, the stat is deceiving. 
And yet I also, it is right because in this game, the Niners have, what, five first-round picks on the defensive line and the Rams' offensive line not only is bad, but getting worse because they're getting hurt. So I actually don't like that matchup this week. But yeah. I did want to note the caveat that sometimes stats like that are a little deceiving in, in short samples. But I don't disagree, so. All right. I mean, like, bargain <laughs> bin again. Bargain bin, though, again, is, is I think you got to look more at value. Or, or, sorry, at volume. And there's a potential that he gets a lot of volume, so. Would I you rather have, would, it's, if Gurley and David Johnson are out, would you rather have Malcolm Brown against the 49ers, DK? Or would you rather have Chase Edmonds against the Falcons? If this I were? would rather have Edmonds. And we've talked about this in the past. Atlanta's defense just basically lets you pass to running backs. They just don't care. It's kind of like their scheme or whatever. They want to keep everything in front of them. They've also just been bad in general. So I think there's there's just more potential value going up against the Falcons. But um, I think they're both good bargain bin picks. Shall we get to our listener question of the week? We shall. Yeah. Danny Heifetz, this question is directed for you. Well, first, we plug the Ringer NFL Show Facebook group. Obviously. I, mean, like I assume people like knew by now. <laughs> please join the Ringer NFL. Well, in case they haven't yet, mm-hmm. because some people hear this and think, oh, but they don't do it. You know, we're about action, not rhetoric on this podcast, even though we are spewing rhetoric. But Ringer NFL sh- Show <laughs> Facebook page, join, ask us questions. So, Craig, what is that question this week? All right, this is from, and I apologize if I screw up this last name. This is from Cyrus Magadam. And their question was, when looking to stream fantasy defenses, what are the most consistent slash sticky stats to consider? Sacks, picks, scoring, or is it the most reliable thing to do to go after the bad offenses? I am a huge believer in... I think that this is a matchup-based question, and I actually would... Sticky stats is tough, especially at this point of the season, because it's tough to look at. I think it's much more reliable to look at a few matchup-based concerns on the game and look for a few things. I think you're dead on, Cyrus, about... I mean, sacks. Really, it's pass pressure. I think that's the primary thing, because no offense is designed to turn the ball over. You turn the ball over when you are disrupted, and disruption is what pass pressure is. So you want to look at, all right, well, what is pass pressure going to happen? So ingredient number one, is there an extreme talent disparity in the trenches? If Anytime you can get a great defensive line against a bad offensive line, I mean, look no further than last week against the Eagles and the Jets. The Eagles are a very talented defensive line. The Jets are one of the least talented, also not 100% healthy. That's how you get pass pressure. So then when there's pressure, who is the mm-hmm. quarterback? who is controlling the ball that you want turnovers because that's what we want with fantasy defense, right? Well, when it's Luke Falk or someone, the odds that they're poised and they're going to make the <laughs> right decision are lower. <laughs> yeah. So I think that really, honestly, that's what I look for. I look for not great quarterbacks who are going to be under pressure. And yeah. it's kind of an art, not a science. Technically, like sacks and interceptions, defensive touchdowns, all of those things are relatively fluky when it comes to the NFL. And so banking on any particular defense, getting any of those things in a, in a given week, I mean, sacks is maybe more predictable because like you said, it's, it's matchup based, but. But even then like pressure numbers from like pro football focus are even more sticky than stats, uh, sacks. Right. Um, so just keep in mind, those numbers, those those statistics are very relatively fluky, so they're not that sticky. So just keep that in mind. I, I definitely agree with you, Danny, that just look at the quarterback, look at the defensive line versus offensive line matchups, and that's a good way to kind of go out hunting. And, and, and like, you just know that, the, for instance, this year, going against whoever has Miami on the schedule has pretty been pretty successful. Um, this week against the Redskins, it might be a little different story, but... Um, Generally speaking, like, yeah, you just want a bad, bad offense, bad, <laughs> bad quarterback. Yeah. So let this tie into our DraftKings lineup and which defense we picked. Start with the defense. On that note, 
What a wonderful segue, Craig. Wow, picking up my slack. Uh, <laughs> we went with the Ravens' defense against the Bengals because of everything we just said. Uh, I, the Ravens don't have the ideal pass rush that we would like to see, ideally in a defense that we're th- shelling out for because they're $4,100. But as I mentioned at the top of the show, I mean, they have... The Bengals are missing their top three receivers. They're out A.J. Green, John Ross, and Alex Erickson. Tyler Eifert seems to be on a snap count of some sorts. Yeah, he's not playing very much at all. And now, they're down their top three tackles. Like this team is battered. Uh, they don't. They're not fast. They don't have a lot of speed out in the field. Like the, the receivers, they're forced to play a smattering of undrafted free agents, uh, guys who've been around. They're all slow. They're all slow too. They're yeah. slow. The Ravens secondary is a little banged up. Like this isn't. A, it's just. It's this is about not believing in the Bengals uh, for this week. They're just battered. Remember last last week when we thought that maybe the Bengals would actually do something because they were playing the Cardinals defense, which has been atrocious, and then the Bengals offense couldn't do anything. Well, yeah. then Auden Tate dropped a touchdown and failed us. He then caught he one. Had a, he had a touchdown late in the he game. He should have had so, two, though. Yeah. that I mean, that was a good call. It was a bad call, generally. <laughs> <laughs> believing believing in the Bengals offense whatsoever. One guy we haven't talked about a lot who's been actually really consistent is Tyler Boyd. He's been really good this year. But we didn't yeah. we yeah. extensively talk about how he's one of the few receivers with the number in the 80s? No, that's the, the praise we gave him. It's his number, not his stats. <laughs> well, that's a number. Sure. Talk about his numbers. 83, I think. All right, the rest of the lineup. Dak Prescott yeah. against the Jets. Kind of similar to what we've said about Lamar. They're going to crush the Jets, and um, Lamar was really expensive, so we went with Dak. But yeah, same logic. We're gonna cr- they're gonna crush the Jets. Yeah, they're favored. Prescott is much much better quarterback. I think yeah, this just makes a lot of sense. Running back, we have Alvin Kamara at eight thousand, which is woof. Kamara. But we're going Kamara. Shit. Oh my god. <laughs> we need like a like a jar where we have to put DraftKings <laughs> yeah. money into it every time that we screw up. It's like New Girl, yeah. the swear jar. No, the the douche jar. Do you, yeah. douche do you watch jar. New Girl? Yeah, I love my New girlfriend. Girl. Should be New Girl. New Girl's the best. New Girl is great. All right. So we got Prescott at quarterback, Alvin Kamara at running back. Kamara. Oh, I sh- shit. Oh my god. <laughs> wow. Tevin Coleman at running back, who's yep. good at football again. Jamison Crowder because Sam Donald's spleen is allegedly healthy enough for him to part play football. Michael Gallup on the Cowboys because he leads the league in receiving yards per game. Tyreek yep. Hill if he plays because Tyree Kill will be playing Craig's middle school nemesis, Austin Hooper at tight end, <laughs> because they're playing the Cardinals. Who, this is three weeks in a row where just like the Card- Cardinals can't uh, guard tight ends. Yeah. And also, yes. it's always great to involve Austin Hooper when Craig has to just hear that name. And then we're flexing Damian Williams against the Texans because they're going to have more plays and more plays or more fantasy points. And that's lovely. There Any qualms, gentlemen? Other than you're with Austin Hooper and how I pronounce Alvin's name. I'm just going to call him Alvin. No, this feels like a good week. I think we're going to bring <laughs> home the cash. It does feel like a good week. Just going to call him Alvin. I'm just going to call him Alvin. <laughs> good old Alv. All right. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Jim, our own grumpy cat. Most of all, thank you to Al. We love Al. Thank you to everyone for listening. See you guys next week. 